Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Great. That was awesome. I'm so glad that we are uh, a church who loves our children and that they were able to have parents that prepared them to do the work of the Lord. Awesome job. Awesome job. Special moment. P- parents cherish that moment. I'm reminded when Jackson was baby Jesus. You want to stand up, Jackson, so they can see that you're not, G- you know, you. I, w- I was just kidding. But yeah, go go go. You know, he was the first baby Jesus in our production years ago. It happened. It goes fast. Be great to pull that picture up sometime for fun. Um, Thank you so much, you who are watching online and you who are here in the room. God is a good God, and um, I believe that uh, he'll do some extraordinary work in our lives today. Lord, I pray as we get into your word, you would help us. Truly, it's the entrance of your word that brings light and life. And I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine bright in here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word that your people would see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, would you let the word to my mouth and meditation in my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You're my strength and redeemer. Every glad and happy heart, say amen. Turn on your left and say, I'm glad you're here to somebody. Turn on your right, say, I'm glad you're here. You are at home. If you have no one to look at, you can look at me, and I'm saying I am so glad, so glad, so glad that you are here. And if you haven't been told your love today, I got some good news for you. Jesus loves you, and I do too. Come on, give God a hand. All right. You know, I... I, I want the next statement that I made not to be confused with a political statement. But the reality is, I've been hearing a lot about the vaccine. And, and when I talk to different people about the vaccine, I get different reactions. Half the people say, I'm so glad. They, it's, it's, it's the most awesome thing that can happen. We're about to be delivered. And half the people say, I never taken that vaccine. And, and there's such a mixed bag, and I realize that in everyone's story right now, there's some level of mistrust or disbelief. You can't trust everything the government says, I hear. You can't trust everything the scientist says, I hear. You can't trust everything the educators say, I hear. You can trust nothing, the politicians. And so it's, it's, it's like you can't trust anybody. So if you can't trust anybody, what do you do? Feels like our ability to believe in almost anything has been bruised. It's just difficult. I don't know if you've ever been to the famous museum uh, that are all over the world called Ripley's, believe it or not. 
They're going to give you a bunch of factual things that you should believe. They're going to show you a wax figure of the tallest man, the shortest woman, and, you know, replicas. You can believe it. It's real. It's scientific. These people really existed. And then they're going to show you some stuff that's not true. And they're going to mix it in there together. And they say, you decide. Believe it or not. I believe this type of mentality has probably seeped into the church. Where because in the secular world, we get to pick and choose what we're going to believe or not believe based on the fallen nature of man, because man is fallen. He makes mistakes. You can't trust everything that he's saying. We take that mentality of believe it or not into our relationship with God. And somehow we're walking through life trying to decide if it's a Ripley's experiment that we're going to believe or not. Today I have a question for you. What category do you have your God and your faith in? Is your belief and your belief system up for grabs? I pray that as we get into the word, you can answer that question profoundly. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be having pieces of the Christmas story. Some of it will be familiar to you, and some of it I will just do a review for those who potentially who watch online or on Fox 17 who have never heard the Christmas story clearly. Our main character that we're going to deal with today is a guy named Zachariah, and his wife's name is Elizabeth. This guy is a good guy. How do you know? Because the Bible says he's righteous. It means he, he, he agrees with the moral law that God has written and he should obey it. He's blameless. There's nothing mentally or physically that he's doing wrong. There's nobody who has an accusation he could, they can say to him. He's got prominence and position. He is a priest after the order of Aaron of the, of the, of the 24,000 priests that were all throughout Israel at the time. He was selected by Lot to be the guy who goes into the temple, not into the holy place, not into the holy place, but into the temple and offer incense on the golden altar. Uh, and three people were selected. If you, one person was to clean up the old ashes, another person to put the new coal in, and another person to actually burn, burn the incense was, was representative of the prayers of the people. They were, they were uh, basically what the priests did more than anything is they were butchers who cut up meat and offered sacrifices to God. After they would cut up the meat, offer sacrifices to God, the three people would be selected. They would go in and the incense would be an aroma that filled the whole temple and the smoke would kind of hide God's holy of holies or his holy place from where they were. And it's, it's like saying God accepts the prayers, the people. This is the circumstance that's going on as we start reading the text. So let's look together at Luke 1, verse 11, and see what happened. Here we go. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. It's impossible to read that verse without pausing 
because there's only a half dozen times in the Old Testament or a half dozen times in the New Testament where an angel actually physically shows up. And I know that you have probably heard people saying they've seen angels. They may have seen a vision of something. But these people are seeing this. This person, Zechariah, he's seeing a physical angel. How do you know? Because they're giving you his exact location. He's by the altar, you know, of, of, of incense. This is a powerful thing. And the first response is, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. This is the response that is always the response when somebody sees a legitimate angel. So if your friend calls you and say, you know, last night I saw an angel and he gave me a high five and I high fived him back. And I said, you said, no, you saw a spirit. You didn't see an angel. Come on, y'all laugh. Now, that was funny. That was my that was one of my best jokes I was coming with. So, OK, so so here he, is, he falls down and he's afraid. In fact, whenever someone would see an angel, they would fall like a dead man. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son. And you should call his name John. The, the greatest news in that verse is your prayer has been heard. One of the worst things in the world is to spend a long time in prayer and be unsure whether he heard you. The Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petition we ask for. There's something powerful about making sure your communication actually gets to God. You were heard. And he says, your wife will bear a son. You will call his name John. You will, uh, verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness. And you will rejoice at his birth. This, these are declarative things. These are not, you might feel this way. You will have, verse 15, and he will be great before the Lord. I mean, this is a great prophecy. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. You can't get a better prophecy than this. Verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. In other words, he's going to have the ability to communicate to the degree that people will turn from wrong living Wrong thinking turned to God for right living and right thinking to serve God and not idols, to serve God and not themselves. Verse 17, and he will, this is the seventh he will statement. I mean, this is great. Go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This is powerful because this is the first time within all the I will statements that he's identifying him, not just as a person who will be the son of Zechariah, but a person who was prophesied about who will be the forerunner or the messenger or who he would call John the Baptist and prepare the way for the Lord. He would be the one announcing to the Lord. The powerful thing about him referring this to the prophecy is because he's answering the very specific prayer that Zechariah is praying. 
and not the one that he used to pray. The one he used to pray was for a child. The one he's praying right now is for a Messiah and for salvation and deliverance for the people. But the Bible said that the Messiah wouldn't come and set the forerunner go first. So God is answering his question or his prayer by telling him, when I give you a son who's going to be the forerunner, who's going to be the guy who comes in the spirit of uh, Elijah, then you know the Savior is coming to. This is the greatest news that he can be given in a prayer. This is the first time that prayer, this is the first time that the word prophetically has been spoken in 400 years. This is the first time that an angel has shown up in 500 years. This is a defining moment. This is a powerful moment. This is a God-sized moment. Let's see how Zechariah handles it. Verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? How am I an old man and my wife is advancing years? In other words, what do you expect me to do with that word? I can't do nothing with that. It's amazing how he's now transitioned from feeling fearful to feeling bold. It's, it's funny how he transitioned as he, God goes and deals with his prayer petition from years ago, and he's trying to say, I'm old now. It's too late now. I asked you that a long time ago. I asked for that job a long time ago. The opportunity is gone. I asked for a spouse long ago. That opportunity is gone. I asked for a career in the music business a long time ago, and that opportunity is gone. He is saying, wait a minute. How can you come and tell me all of this is going to happen? I need a sign is what he's saying according to the scripture. I need some guarantee. Don't just tell me I'm going to be rich. Manifest some gold. Show me something. Verse 19. And the angel answered him, man, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Don't you understand? No angel has spoken in 500 years. No one's given, been given a prophetic word in 400 years. You're the first person that God has sent in all that time to get a special message. He deals with how special you are and how special your son is going to be. And then he tells you that you're going to get the Messiah out of this and you are belittling it. See, this is what happens to us. See, when you worship in church long enough, when you do all of the right steps long enough, you can find out that you're disconnected in heart from what you actually do. That somehow you could be fulfilling an obligation or a duty, doing the activities, but your heart is far from him. He could not find that the news that he was receiving was good. God gives you a word that's going to be your best year, and you say, well, it's been pretty tough so far. It's good times ahead. You said, I can't see nothing but darkness and black. When he hears the word, he thinks about his own ability instead of his God. 
When God tells you something, do you think about what you need to do to bring it to pass? Or do you get the confidence that the God you serve who spoke the word can actually perform the word and watch over the word to make sure it comes to completion? Zechariah, though prominent, Zechariah, though special, Zechariah doing the holy things of God is missing the mark. And, and, and here's verse 20 explains why. He said, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. God's word never goes out and returns void. It accomplishes that where it's sent and it prospers wherever it goes. I was looking at this verse and saying, wow, he got punished. When the Bible says he'd be unable to speak, if you look at that in the original uh, language, it means he could no longer hear or speak. He was deaf and dumb. And the Bible says the reason is because he did not believe the words. I thought this was cruel of God when I was really doing my studies. That's kind of, you know, a little overboard, Jesus, but you're God. And now, as I look further, I realize that it's really an act of mercy. Because the Bible says, the, the, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. When you reject the word of God, you're rejecting the life you could have. You can't get it without him. He that has the son have life. He that have not the son have not life. You can't get life without the word. And if you, in the Bible says, as a man think of in his heart, so is he. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If he doesn't reverse the way you're acting and the way you're thinking, you're in trouble. Now, God can tell us to go home and fast speaking, but we're still going to use the power to speak. But his mercy said, I don't want wrong information getting in. And I don't want wrong information coming out because you have spent so much time being familiar with me that you no longer can listen to me. And I'm going to give you some time to marinate on what you're saying. So because when he's because he was given the opportunity to believe, but he said not. What are you saying to God? How many words have Jesus spoken to you? Over the years, through the word of God, through the people of God, through songs, circumstances, situations that you no longer consider credible because they have been delayed. Because they haven't come to pass in the timetable that you thought that they ought to come to pass. You're no different than Zechariah who looked at the word that was given to him. And, his, and, and when asked by the angel, if you believe, he said, I say not. How many Things are you rejecting as you still do the work of worship? Reading your Bible and ignoring the promises. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. This is where Zechariah was. He believed, but not. And the angel is helping him. 
Aren't you glad that the mercy of God will stop you from ruining your own life and ruining your moment and stopping kingdom process? Sometimes you need to stop talking. Do you hear yourself when trouble or calamity comes saying stuff like I'm too old? Uh, It's been too long. I've gone too far. It's been too much time. Do you hear yourself saying the things that prevent God's word from being active in your life? Or do you promote the things that God has spoken to your life? You see, the Bible says in Amos 8, 11, that there will be a famine of hearing the word of God and they hadn't heard it for 400 years. How long has it been since you've heard from God? Zechariah, he had that. Now, now, let me transition to something good. I don't, I don't have any verse that tells you yet that he said anything in communication, but he did some stuff that sent me the right message. The Bible says the first thing that Zechariah did was continued doing his job even though he received a rebuke from the Lord. Because this has been the most difficult thing for me to do. You just handicapped me and you want me to still keep coming to church? I'm done. Until you fix this. He begins to humble himself. Humble himself to the degree that he keeps on offering sacrifices keeps on doing the work of God, and he doesn't back off, even though he cannot hear and he cannot speak. The second thing he does is he goes home to his wife. And I don't know how he communicated to her, but he said, baby, God said we're going to have a child. And I know we old, and I know neither one of us is moved by each other. But the Lord said it, so it's going to happen. So they began in their relations. And the scripture says, and I believe verse 24, that Elizabeth, and after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. See, even though you don't believe, God will still give you an opportunity to conceive. Your opportunity to conceive is still in front of you through belief. And for five months, she kept it to herself, saying, thus saith the Lord, he has done for me. He has taken away my reproach from among the people. You know, sometimes when the Lord does something for you, you know the best thing you can do is keep it to yourself. Because somebody will tell you, you know, you don't need to do that. Somebody will tell Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you old. You five months pregnant. You need to get rid of that pregnancy because it could cost you your life. Uh, you don't need to uh, have it. You need to get an abortion. You need to, you, you know, you can't make it. These are things that would be temptations when you talk, you would invite people in. And this gives me a great opportunity to say this. This is how you know that abortion is wrong. Because life doesn't begin uh, at, um, key is in here. Life don't begin with this item and this item coming together. Life begins when God says it. God said you're going to have a son. His name is going to be called John. And that's when it begins. And this is why this is why we trust God for life. He is a life giving spirit. He is the author of life. And this does not violate a woman's right over her own body. It only identifies God's sovereign right over humanity. It's two different things. 
And so what I love about that, and, and, and by the way, if anybody in here has ever experienced an abortion or anything, I got the greatest news on the planet for you that the very prophecy that the angel is talking to uh, Zechariah about is this forerunner coming, and he's going to talk about the Messiah who cleanses you and washes you from every sin and every trouble. He delivers you from trouble, delivers you from the evil one. He casts your sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. There's no need to be in condemnation. There's a need to trust God's word. So if God said it, that settles it. Now you need to believe it and you need to stop saying you don't believe, but believe God's word and live. He has a word and he gives you opportunity to conceive. And he gives up. And look, when Elizabeth, Elizabeth's niece, Mary, Revisited by the same angel, the same angel told her the same thing. And you know what, Mary's, um, that, that she would have a son, his name would be Jesus. You know what Mary's response was, different from Zechariah? She says, be it unto me. Let it be done as you say. But when she asked the question, how can this be? She was saying, I know it's going to happen, but what's the way you're going to bring it to pass? Zechariah was saying, man, you need to show me some proof that you even know what you're talking about. You know, it's funny. I, I, tell, I was telling the story uh, earlier today. You know, I've been in that situation like Zachariah where I, I, I have been doing the things of God. And I was in college. I was 18 or 19 years old. And, uh, and, and some guys on my university campus came to me and they said, you know, do you, have you heard about the Holy Spirit and, you know, and, the, and, and the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues? And I said, no, I never heard it. I don't even think that's real. And they said, yeah, that's real. And I said, I said, well, I don't think that's real. They said, yeah, I've had that experience. I said, you had that experience? I said, if you had that experience, and it, I'm going to tell you something. This is what I said out loud. I said, if you had that experience and what you're telling me is real, then I would have a problem with God. And I said, I'm the greatest Christian I know. I was a teenager. Don't hold that against me. I said, I'm the greatest Christian I know. And if God was going to give somebody the Holy Ghost, I'm sure he would give it to me. And so I, I know. And I said, if there's something more, if there's some more gifts, then I demand. I would demand that God come down here himself and see me face to face because I got a problem with God. I said that in front of about 10 people. And then we went to a, 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 an apartment. We said we was all going to pray. And they was going to pray for me to receive the Holy Spirit. And I received a visitation. And it was scary. What they tell me I did was, because I like to forget it, they said that I, that I started screaming, get away from me, leave, because I, I saw the brightest light I could see, and I fell to the ground, I put my head down between my legs, and I could still see the light. And I, they said I screamed for like 30 minutes, get away from me, help me, please. You see, it's something that happens when you think you're in more authority than you are in. In your hour of visitation, I guarantee you, you don't have, you don't have a lot to say, complain about, you're going to fix that. It silenced me forever. And now I had an opportunity to conceive and to, to believe in God. So look what happened in verse, um, let's go to verse 54 or 56. And Mary remained with her about three months then returned home. 
Now, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. It actually happened. God's word goes out, doesn't return void, but it accomplishes it where he sends it. I know there's been a word spoken over to you that you failed to believe in it. But if you will believe, you'll conceive. You have the opportunity to conceive. Just keep on believing. I can sense even in this room, even during this season, there has been just dashed dreams and dashed hopes. And this year has seemingly robbed people of so much. But I am encouraging you not to embrace the lie of the devil that you've seen the best days, but to embrace the word of God that said the best days are still ahead. You can conceive if you can believe. And she bore a son. And that son was a marvelous thing in her sight and her neighbor's eyes. Look at the verse 58 says, and her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord has shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. The very people who called her out of her name, they called her barren. She was known by her impediment. She was known by her weakness. She was known by her frailty. They called her by that name. Now they're having to call her blessed. They're having to call her a miracle. And then something extraordinary happened in verse 29, I mean, 59. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they, they, they were going to call him Zachariah after his father. You know, that's good. But his mother answered, no, he's going to be called John. Verse 61. And they said to her, no one of your relatives is called by this name. And, and then they made signs to the father inquiring uh, if he might what they might call him. Remember, they made signs to him because he couldn't hear him having a conversation. He couldn't speak. Verse 63. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. I made the mistake the first time the angel told me that I would have a son and his name would be John. And I made the mistake of saying, give me more signs, give me more clarity, give me more proof. I made the mistake of not believing that it was possible before, but I have learned my lesson. His name is not going to be John. His name is John. And his name is John because God has declared it to be so. He is now choosing God's will and God's word over his life. He's now aligning himself with the prophetic word that has been spoken over thousands of years. He's now participating in the kingdom mandate to see this gospel preached throughout the world. He's now having the opportunity at an old age when somebody seems to put him out the pasture to disciple one who is born of woman who says there's no one greater than John. He's now having the opportunity to to be a part of John's life and get John to the next level. I know that the enemy sometimes tells you you missed your moment, you missed your time, it's too late for you. I'm here to announce it is not too late for you. You did not miss your time. You're not too old. You're not counted out. God is about to allow older people to mentor the most important person on the planet to come before Jesus, the messenger, the one preparing the way. And if this guy doesn't come, the prophecy's not fulfilled and Jesus can't come. But this is the next step in the evolution of prophecy that the the messenger must come. And guess what? He's a part of it. I feel like the enemy has lied to you and I so many times about you missing your moment. And it being too late, 
God knew the struggles you would have in your faith. He knew the ups and downs and the vacillation. He took all of that into account, but believe that you are a significant part of what Jesus is doing in your life. Look what happened there. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God, not questioning God, not challenging God, not threatening God, not giving ultimatums to God, not being tit for tat. He blessed God. You have a reason to speak blessings to God because he's not sent you a curse. He's not giving you your worst day. And I know that somehow the adversary gives us to look at our life and think about the series of things we need to complain about. And we can't find a word to latch on to to just promote and be happy about. But you have an opportunity to conceive if you will believe. Look at verse 35. And he and it came to all their neighbors and to all those things. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country. And all who heard him laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then is this child to be? For the hand of the Lord was on him. And then his father, we're going to conclude with this. You can stand on your feet. Then his father began to do something that I think is, is extraordinary. He begins to articulate all of his reasons to speak. He had lost a reason to speak. He'd lost the reason to be clear. He lost his hope when his prayers were taking too long. But God is now restoring him. And he's giving all of these reasons in there. They start listing in verse 67. He said, and his, and his, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. He's talking about the promise of a Messiah and the promise of Jesus. Verse uh, 73. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of the enemy might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, now he's shifting from what Jesus would do to what his son will do. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercies of our God, whereby the sun rises shall visit us from on high. Final verse, verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And, to the, child, and the child grew strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance and you might say, what did all of that lengthy speech from Zechariah have to do with you? Because he learned his lesson that believing is something he needed to take the opportunity to do. And when you believe right, you speak right. You talk right. You talk right about Jesus. You talk right about his assignment. You talk right about his promises. You don't shy away from what he's doing and what he said. And you start knowing how to specifically apply that to you. His name's going to be called John, graciousness from the Lord, 
I'm telling you that the Lord has a plan for each and every one of you. Bethel World Outreach Church, when I was doing this message, the Lord was showing me that we're just like John, that we're just, we get the opportunity to come in the spirit of Elijah where we prepare the way for the Lord. You don't need to let the world speak to you in 2021 about how bad it can be and how, how uncertain the future is when God is giving you a certain future and a certain destiny and he's giving you a grace and a calling and he's prepared you to be uh, ambassadors for him in this world and you don't need to worry about what's going on in the world. You need to worry about what's going on with your word and you need to believe the word of God over your life. It is not just general, but it is specific for you. And so the hopes and the dreams that you seem to have been lost, they have not been lost because God says he knows the plans and the thoughts he has towards you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. God is giving you a hope and he's giving you a future and he's giving you a destiny and your best days are ahead, saith the Lord. You don't need to think about the former days where you've had trouble. You need to think about the days that are ahead, saith the Lord, because I've blessed those days. I've anointed those days and I appointed you to be my heralds and my ministers. You are a part of my plan and that which seemed to be a delay is not a denial, saith the Lord. You shall have the petitions you have before me for I didn't forget Zachariah's petition and I do not forget your position, saith the Lord, because as you surrender to me, I open up the windows of heaven and pour out to you for you are a divine part of my plan, saith the Lord. I have not forgotten you and I include you in the divine rights to my kingdom, saith the Lord. This is the best time in your life, church. Give God praise and glory. Give God praise and glory. Bow your heads. Let's just worship together for a moment. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name Master Savior Jesus like a fragrance after the rain Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Lord, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice and watching online that we wouldn't be those who have a wicked heart of unbelief. We believe you lived a sinless life. You died in our place. And that three days later, God raised you from the dead. We believe you offer salvation to all those who repent and believe. We believe that whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe that you want to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. We believe that we are gifted and we are anointed and we are appointed and we are assigned. We, we, we believe that there's no power but the power of God. We believe that you've given us all power over the power of the adversary. 
we believe that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We believe that we're already seated with you in heavenly places. We believe, God, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell in it, God. We, we, we believe every word you've spoken to us and every word you've written to us. Give us the strength to retain your word and believe your word that we could be good stewards on this earth, just like John was. Bethel will be in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God praise and glory. Amen.